0: In our American culture, uh, it is still relatively easy to identify as being a Christian uh, without really fully diving into what that means, what that calls for, uh, the responsibilities of that, uh, especially in this part of the country, you know, right in the Bible Belt region and in the Appalachian region in which we find ourselves. Uh, It's the kind of thing where, um, you know, maybe 8 out of 10 people, just about, that you would talk to if you, you say, hey, are you a Christian? They would say, well, sure, of course I am. And then you start talking to them about why they know that's true or, or what makes them a Christian, and you'll hear things like, oh, man, well, you know, I grew up in the church. I mean, I, I went to Bible school every single summer. In fact, I went to five or six Bible schools. My parents, man, every time there was Bible school in our area, they, they hit every single one, you know? I was dropped off at multiple Bible schools. I grew up in Sunday school, and I was part of the youth choir, and, man, I went to youth group all the time. And... Uh, and they can quote several different Bible verses to you. And, and the, the thing that is true about a lot of people that would identify as Christians, the sad reality is that though they know about Jesus, and though they even know some of the words of Jesus and the songs that sing about Him, many, many people all throughout this area, and all throughout our state, and all throughout our country, and all throughout the world, still fail to fully grasp the reality of the gospel, and still fail to commit themselves truly, fully to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And so what we have all around us is example after example of a cultural Christianity, and assumed Christianity rather than authentic Christianity. And so all throughout this series, that's what we're talking about. Authentic Christianity. Signs of life, signs of real life and the marks of authentic Christianity. And uh, that's why we've been talking uh, the last couple of weeks about uh, starting off with the fact that you have to have a new heart and a new life to truly have any spiritual life the first and most essential foundational mark of authentic christianity is that you've been given a new heart and a new life by jesus that then enables you to walk in and do the will of the father which jesus said identifies you as truly his disciple Jesus said in Matthew 7, uh, Many people will say to me, Lord, Lord, I identify with you. I'm a Christian. But, but he says, I don't know you. I don't know you personally. You're not really in me. The one who I know, the one who is in me, the one who is truly my disciple, it's the one who does the will of my Father. You can't do the will of the Father if you don't have a new heart and a new life. Through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Then last week we talked about the importance of loving God's Word, and we said you cannot love God but not love His Word. It's not going to happen. It's impossible. You you can't say, yeah, I love God and I'm a Christian, but I really just don't have a desire for His Word. It's just not that big of a deal for me. Well, then you need to go back to the beginning and realize you can't truly love God without loving His Word. That's what we talked about last week. And this week, uh, as we go on, we're talking about the importance of repentance and holiness. Repentance and holiness. And this is something that strikes a really hard blow to cultural Christianity, to assumed Christianity, uh, as opposed to authentic Christianity. Because cultural Christianity, much like uh, any of the the cultural religions around the world, I mean, you have in the Middle East, you have cultural Muslims, uh, you have a a lot of uh, cultural Roman Catholics, you know, that, that are that way because generationally that's just what they are and that's the culture around them. And the same is true for Christianity. And cultural Christianity is it's very quick to acknowledge um, a belief in God, you know, this general belief in God. Yeah, of course I believe in God, but it, it doesn't give a lot of thought, if any thought, to the holiness of God and the need for repentance from sin against Him. Doesn't give a whole lot of thought to the, the holiness and justice of God, His righteousness, His perfection, and the fact that we lack all of that, and therefore repentance is needed. Doesn't give a lot of thought, if any, to that. Cultural Christianity is quick to get upset when people don't say Merry Christmas. You know, coming up, we're getting ready to go through that again. You know, you'll, you'll have Facebook blasted all over the place with people ranting and raving about how they went to such and such a store and the person didn't say Merry Christmas or on cards it has uh, Merry Christmas, you know, replaced with just Xmas or Happy Holidays. You'll get upset about the coffee shops that, that don't have Merry Christmas on their cups. You know, they're really quick to get upset about things like that, um, Cultural christianity is is quick to make uh, attending Easter service, all dressed up in new suits and dresses a, a really high priority, but it doesn 't make a very big priority about uh, coming any other time of the year, and even if you do come other times of the year, other Sundays, uh, it doesn't make living out what you hear in Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, every other day that ends in Y, a big priority. It doesn't uh, take the problem of personal sin seriously, and therefore it doesn't make repentance from sin a priority. Nor does cultural Christianity make living a holy life a consistent pursuit at all. And so all that to say, cultural Christianity, assumed Christianity, is missing a mindset of repentance and a heart for holiness. And that's, that's the biggest danger and problem uh, within cultural Christianity, that it's missing a mindset of repentance and a heart for holiness. And that, church, that is an essential sign of true spiritual life and a major mark of authentic Christianity, both of those. Having a mindset of repentance, seeing that as a high priority, and having a heart for holiness, a, a pursuit, a personal pursuit of, of holy living, righteous living, those are absolutely non-negotiables. They're, they're essential and vital for someone who truly has spiritual life within them, someone who is truly an authentic Christian. And we need to understand that the, the reason that is so important, so vital, is because God cares about Repentance and holiness, and therefore so should we. If we're truly following Christ, if we're followers of Christ and children of God, we need to understand how highly He values our repentance and holiness, how much He values holiness in general, Uh, and therefore so should we, if we're really part of His family, if we're really followers of Jesus. Because the same divine Savior that said, neither do I condemn you, and we're really big on that, right? We love reading that. We love hearing that. We, we love raising that up high and saying, yeah, see, Jesus was never judgmental. You hear that a lot. Jesus never judged anyone. Oh, really? Hmm. Yeah, I mean, he said, woman, where are your accusers? Does no one condemn you? And she said, no one, Lord, as the stones were dropped, you know, on the ground. She said, no one, Lord. And he did say, neither do I condemn you. Yeah, he said that, and that's great. Hallelujah for that, right? Praise the Lord for hearing that and and the fact that you and I can hear that too. We can hear that from Jesus. But, but, the same divine Savior that said that, neither do I condemn you, also said, go and sin no more. So yeah, Jesus didn't just judge. He did pour out grace and mercy and compassion and love, but he also called people to repentance. All through his ministry, every time he talked to someone, he said, you need to repent because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. I've brought it here. I've ushered it in. And no one can enter the kingdom of heaven without repentance and without holiness. So the same divine Savior that That was quick to say, Neither do I condemn you, let me show you grace, also communicated the truth and the need of repentance and holiness. Our good good father, that we love to sing about and and think about all of his blessings and goodness to us and, and and mercy, you know, the our good good father of grace also commands us, his children, to be holy because I am holy. We, we need to be careful not to miss that, because it's easy to do. But that's, that's the reality, that our good, good Father of grace and mercy does regularly command us to be holy, because I am holy. That makes repentance true, real repentance incredibly important, incredibly necessary for anyone who truly has spiritual life within them, who truly is an authentic Christian. And when we look in the Bible, especially the New Testament, and we we look at that word repentance in our English language, um, the word repentance that that we know and that we see is actually uh, the Greek word metanoia. Metanoia. And metanoia means um, a change of mind that results in a change in actions. It's a change of mind, changing the way you think about something, change the way you're looking at something, change your perspective that results in a very real, definitive, ongoing change in actions. Um, It's like you're on a trip and you realize you're, you're going the wrong way on that trip. You suddenly realize, oh, we've been traveling down the wrong road all this time. Uh, it happens a lot, doesn't it? it? It really happened to me before lovely Siri came into my life. Um, I mean, I, I'm really convinced that Siri saved my marriage because early on in our marriage, before iPhone, before Siri, before smartphones. We had, uh, we never had like the Garmin GPS. We always did the MapQuest thing. Anybody remember MapQuest? Where you got online and you printed out the the paper and you hoped coffee or something didn't spill on it because if it did, you were really in trouble. Um, You know, I I didn't really use Atlas. My dad always used Atlas. He always criticized me for not using Atlas. He said, well, if you just used Atlas, you'd never have a problem. You know, I heard that all the time. Um, MapQuest just oh, it was awful. So we would, we would argue. Um, and, and to my wife's credit, she wasn't usually the one that was doing the arguing. Uh, I was the one doing the arguing uh, because she would say, no, you need to go here. And I'd say, no, you're supposed to go here. And many, many times we would be driving along and I'd realize, oh, we're totally in the wrong place. So I would look for the nearest spot to do a, a UE, you know, and we'd get back on the right track. Um, that's really how metanoia works. It's, it's a change of mind. It's, it's thinking about something and realizing you're in the wrong place. You're in the wrong position. You're going the wrong way. You're doing the wrong things. But just like it, it doesn't make sense to just realize you're going the wrong way on a trip unless you actually do something about it, that's what metanoia, repentance, is all about. I mean, if you're realizing you're going down the road and you're going the wrong way, realizing it's good, that's the first part. That's the first step. You've got to realize it. Oh, I'm going the wrong way. But more than that, you have to stop and turn around and go the right way, right? For that realization to matter at all. That's how it works with repentance, metanoia. It's realizing, "Uh uh-oh, I'm in the wrong here. I'm on the wrong course. Nothing good's going to come from that. And then acting on that, changing your action. You know, it's an, it's an inward realization that results in outward behavior. Um, but more than that, or in addition to that, repentance also includes replacing the bad that was rejected with the good that is needed. It's not about just stopping going this way and turning around and going the the other way. It's about replacing the bad, the negative, the sin that should be rejected, but replacing that with the good or the holiness or the righteousness that is needed. Let me put it this way. Real repentance results in holiness. Real repentance results in holiness. And it always will. It has to for it to be real, genuine repentance. Let me uh, have you look with me at Romans 6, 1-11. through 11, And we'll see what, what I'm talking about here. With real repentance resulting in holiness, uh, it's not just about going the, a different direction. It's about replacing the bad that was rejected with the good that is needed. Romans 6, 1-11. Here's what the Apostle Paul says. What shall we say then? Are we to continue... In sin, are we to just keep going down that road of sin, so grace may abound, or that grace may abound? Oh, you know, Jesus loves me, and Jesus is gracious, and I'm in Christ, so I have access to grace. So you know what? I'm just going to keep traveling down this road of sin because I know Jesus is just going to—he's going to keep lavishing grace into my life and on my life. Paul says. By no means, or other translations say, God forbid, absolutely not. How can we who died to sin, that's what happens when you come to Christ, truly, how can we who died to sin still live in it? It's a good question, right? Verse 3, Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus, that's that's salvation, that's coming to Him for salvation, receiving Him as Savior and Lord, you're baptized into, you're put into Christ. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into His death? We were buried, therefore, with Him by baptism into death in order that, here's the reason for that happening, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. See, so it's replacing the sin, the bad, that should be rejected with the good that is needed, with holiness and righteousness. Verse 5, For if we have been united with Him in a death like His, which we have if we've come to Christ, We shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing. That's what we needed. We needed rescue from our own sin. We couldn't do that ourselves. We needed power beyond ourselves to make the dominion of sin over us powerless so that we could actually choose righteousness. Apart from Christ, you can't do that. Outside of Christ, you have no hope of being anything but a constant sinner under the weight and dominion of sin. But through Christ and because of Him, the body of sin, bent hopelessly and helplessly towards sin, can be and should be brought to nothing. So that, the last part of verse 6 there, so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. That's why we sing, saying, what a day that will be, when my Jesus I will see. Because we we will be totally, forever freed from any potential or propensity towards sin. We'll be freed from that. That's one reason that Paul said about death, death, where is your your sting? Grave, where is your wound to me? No, when I'm absent from the body, I'm present with the Lord, and I'm absent from any influence of sin. And Paul says, anybody who's died has been set free from sin. Verse 8, now if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with Him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. And here's where it gets practical again. Here's the application again. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin. There's the rejecting of sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. There's the choosing of holiness and righteousness. See, repentance, metanoia, it it is turning away from the sin that you're pursuing and you're on the course of. It, It is stopping and turning away from that and going a different direction, but it's also about filling up what you have emptied. It's replacing what you reject. Reject sin and unrighteousness, yes, but replace it with holiness and righteousness. And that's, that's the other half that we often forget to do. You know, it, it's actually fairly easy for us to understand, okay, I need to repent. I need to, I'm going this way. I need to stop and go this way. We can get that. But so often we fail to then f- have the Holy Spirit, as we pursue Him, fill us up with righteousness and with holiness to take the place of that sin and selfishness and, and uh, unrighteous living that we have turned our back on. And if we don't get that, if we don't make sure that we replace what was rejected, then we'll end up just going back to that thing because we'll always want to be full of something. We always feel our emptiness. And if, if we're not careful to make sure that that emptiness gets filled with the Spirit... And with the fruits of the Spirit and with righteousness and holiness, we will inevitably turn back to that sin that we knew we were supposed to reject because we'll feel that emptiness and we'll know we need to be full. So it's very important that we don't just reject, but that we replace. Very, very important. And that is what authentic Christianity is all about. It's being a person of continual repentance and consistent holiness. It's being a person of continual repentance and consistent holiness. Um, for those of you who ever followed basketball in the NBA or any sort of sports fan at all, um, I am sure you will agree with me that the greatest dynamic duo of all time in all of sports is none other than Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen. Are you with me? Who's with me? Right. The rest of you, don't bother talking to me. <laughs> Nothing to say. I mean, even if you didn't like the Bulls, and if, you, if that's true of you, you need some serious help and therapy… If you didn't like the, the 80s and 90s bulls uh, and into even the, the start of the millennium, um, I mean, you've, you've got some trouble. Um, but, I mean, these two guys, totally matchless. I, I, there's just no one like that dynamic duo. I mean, they were unstoppable. And as great as Jordan by himself was is the GOAT, okay, totally the GOAT, always will be, I mean... You know, I respect what LeBron can do on the court, but he's not the GOAT. There's just no, no way, way he's even close. I mean, he's not even in the same universe, really, compared to Michael Jordan. And as, as good as Jordan is, was, still is, I think, um, he was only so great and excelled so much because of Scottie Pippen. Without Pippen, he would not have been as great as he was. They needed each other. They complemented each other. They worked together. I mean, they were the one-two punch that put all the NBA on notice for years and years and years. The dynamic duo. No one could touch them. Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen. Well, repentance and holiness are the dynamic duo that will define the life of every true believer. You you can't have one without the other. And if you're truly in Christ, if you truly have spiritual life, if you have a mark of authentic Christianity uh, on your life and in your life, then then that has to be true of you, and it will be true of you. Uh, It's the dynamic duo that will, must define the life of every true believer, every true disciple of Jesus. But having said all that, a very reasonable question, uh, one that I'm sure you're asking or thinking about or have, um, one that makes sense to ask in light of all that. I mean, you can sit here and say, yeah, I agree with that. I accept that. You're right. That's true. Yes. Amen. Amen. But what can we do to stay motivated in this? All right. I know this is supposed to define my life. This is what should be true of me. This is what should mark my life as an authentic Christian. This is a sign of real spiritual life. Pastor, I agree with you, yes, but what can we do to stay motivated in this? Because it's hard. And, and I agree with you. Yeah, it's, it's hard to continue to pursue repentance, to continue to pursue holiness. It's tough. We get distracted by so many different things. We get discouraged. We get under the assault and attack of the enemy like so many of you in our church family are experiencing right now. It's one of the big reasons why we're fasting so that we can remember our need to be people of repentance, so that we can remember God is holy and therefore I should be holy as well. And so we're, we're very intentionally pursuing God and saying, God, will you please work in all of your power in my life and in our church family? Will you remind us of your holiness, your majesty, your sovereignty? God, will you please just bring us deeper with you? Take us further up and further in with you, God. That's what we're doing in this fast. And we need to do that regularly because we forget. We forget how holy our God is. We forget how holy we are to be. And we settle for less. Right? And we get, we get weighed down and bogged down. So that's a good, fair question. What can I do to stay motivated in this pursuit? My answer is this. Remember the cross. Remember the cross. Look to the cross. Look to the cross and, and see Jesus there bleeding and dying, becoming sin in the eyes of His Father and being judged for it in your place. All out of love for you, his enemy. And with that vision fresh in your mind and breaking your heart all over again, as it should, with that ammunition, choose to reject the sin that put Him there. And and choose instead in place of, remember, don't just reject but replace, choose instead with that vision fresh in your mind of your dying suffering Savior becoming sin for you so that you could become the righteousness of God through Him. Choose instead to pursue that righteousness and holiness that He died to give you. That's How we stay motivated in this remember the cross look to the savior on that cross remember that was for you to make you righteous to make you holy and to give you the power to do it in the giving of his holy spirit that's that's our answer that's our ammunition that's how we remember to make these things a priority Father, thank You for Your Word. Thank You for it being everything we need. Thank You for the reminder and the pattern and the picture all throughout Your Word of what true repentance looks like, what it must include. It isn't just recognizing we're wrong and sinning and turning from that, it's also Replacing that with the righteousness and holiness you've called us to, and with the righteousness and the holiness that's available to us who are in Christ through the power of your Spirit. Help us to choose that. Help us to be people of continual repentance and people that pursue holiness, because you are holy, and because you, Jesus, gave so much to make us holy. I pray if there's anyone here who is yet to commit their lives, their whole lives, to you, Jesus, I pray that now would be the time they do that. For those who may have done that already but have lived apart from you and have stacked up all these things in front of you, may today, right now, in these moments, be the, the moments and the, and the start of them totally destroying those things they've built up in front of you and, and that they would replace all those other things with you and you alone reigning supremely on the throne of their heart and mind and life. Thank you, Jesus, for giving yourself to us, for being our all-sufficient sacrifice. We do together now remember you. We look to the cross. We thank you, Jesus, for bleeding and dying there for us, for becoming sin in the eyes of your Father, receiving our judgment making us righteous in place of our sinfulness. We praise you, Jesus, in your name. Amen.